My sons and daughters, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and humankind. Our Holy Father, we are grateful for your presence with us today. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would open our hearts, that we may hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. What a glorious word to sing this morning. Before you're seated, take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship. Word of peace. One of the most ancient practices of the church through the centuries is baptism. And there is, uh, there is much in baptism that speaks to our faith in Christ. It is uh, in the practice of tying back to the, to the Jewish practice of baptism, a declaration of our sins and, and our need for God. And uh, the church also saw baptism as a means of grace, as a declaration of God's grace in our lives, as a as a commitment, a vow to, to uh, live our lives fully committed to Christ. And that in baptism, we also experience something new and special and powerful of God as, uh, we, are, as we surrender and submit ourselves in baptism. This morning, we are uh, baptizing two people. Um, we had originally intended to do this last Sunday night, and we had a little bit of a snafu, and we didn't have any water. So... We decided that maybe we needed some water for baptism. So, so uh, we're doing the baptism this morning, and uh, it's exciting to do that. Uh, both of the people who are coming to be baptized today have declared their faith in Christ and have declared their desire to, to know Christ, to follow Christ, and that Christ would be the central focus of their lives every day. And uh, we, our, our prayer is that, that as we're baptized, as they are baptized, and, and as the years go along, they will continue to come back to this moment of committing their baptismal vows to Christ and living out those vows. And as you watch, I know many of you, I would assume, have been baptized. And as you watch and as you experience this with them to remember your own baptism and to recommit yourself anew to the vows that you made to follow Christ and to serve him in all that you do. unplanned and appropriate that uh, the day I would be baptized was on Mother's Day, as my mom is the reason which I'm up here today. Uh, I've always been a Christian for as long as I can remember, but when I was 10 years old, uh, my mom lost a five-year battle with cancer, and I developed a view of God as um, very disconnected and uncaring, just kind of a, a puppet who controlled our lives. And because of that, my, my life took a turn for the worse. I started to live a life which I regret to this day. It wasn't until I was 18 years old that I heard a story from my dad about my mom. Uh, when she was diagnosed with cancer and told that uh, it had spread throughout her entire body and she only had a couple years left to live, and those years would be in excruciating pain, uh, the very first thing she did was drop down to her knees and thank God. Um, I was reminded then of how God had been fighting for me 
this entire time that I had been running from him. And it, ever since that point, it has been my journey closer towards him. And in this semester, I took a class which focused on God's relationship with the world. And what it made me realize was that I needed to take this step in, uh, in my relationship with him. Graham Badger, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I suppose some of you are wondering why I waited so long. I have been allotted 45 seconds to give my testimony. An explanation of 89 years needs more time. I can't remember when I didn't attend church. Those early years were memories of warnings. Bob, keep your clothes clean. And the debate that went from sister to sister, deciding whose turn it was to sit by Bob. But then I got into the scriptures in the Sunday school classes and everything cleared up. <clears throat> All those years, the Apostle Paul writes, God has his eye on me, patiently guiding me over a hectic path. After three years in the armed service, I came to Houghton Calling in 1946, a complete different atmosphere. Here, I studied under Dr. Stockton, Dr. Reese, Dr. Hall, and others. So I enjoyed the grace of God through that time. In 1962, I returned to teach German. I thank God for his patience, his love, and his grace. Bob Cummings, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of, transgre- of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How many moms do we have? Raise your hand if you're a mom. All right. Welcome. We're thankful for you, and we want to make sure, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. That's great. All right, let's make sure no moms get out of here without a hug, okay? 
A couple of things I'd like you just to turn your attention to the bulletin for a minute. A few things happening in the life of our church. Uh, next Sunday morning, we again have worship at 8.30 and 11. We'd love to see you back here for that. Also next Sunday, we're doing something a little bit different this year in terms of our uh, business, church business. We're going to have our elections in the morning next week uh, between services, before and between and after. So when you come in, you'll see uh, ballots and there'll be instructions posted. But we are grateful, or we would be grateful if you would participate in this, uh, this portion of sort of our church life. As we think about uh, going forward over the next year, uh, electing those who are going to lead us. And uh, so we're, we would be grateful for you to participate in that. Also, in connection with that, next week in the evening, we're going to do, again, something a little bit different. We're going to have a vision meeting in the evening where we do some of our business. But primarily, uh, what that is about is that we would spend a little bit of time as a family, as a church family, dreaming about the future and about what God would have us to do. Seeking His face together. And just spending a little time uh, as, a, as a church family, really thinking about what is it that God would have us to do over the next year. And, uh, we're going to have some refreshments there, and as I said, we'll do a little business, but um, we really hope that this will be a time where we can come together and, uh, and think about what God has for us in the future. So we'd love to have you there. That's at 6 o'clock, and you'll see an insert in your bulletin uh, with a little more information about that. In addition to that, uh, this coming weekend... We have a church work day, cleanup day, our spring cleanup around the church, Saturday morning, 8.30 to noon. Again, a great time to bring the family and uh, spend a little bit of time working together and beautifying the grounds. Uh, We look forward to having you there. And finally, there are a number of prayer concerns which you see listed here in the bulletin. Uh, Many for people in our congregation, but also extended relatives and family who are away and around the world, issues that happen around the world. We just ask that you would keep those in prayer. All right? Thank you. I told John to talk slowly, so it's just exactly right. Haven't <laughs> changed. Um, we have a great privilege in the church to connect ourselves uh, together through membership. And, um, you know, as, as the body of Christ, we come together and we worship together and we we interact together, and we can do that superficially. We can do that at um, deeper levels of commitment to each other. And membership is one of the ways in which we connect with each other and Christ Church in this place in, uh, in deeper ways. And uh, when we talk about membership, we're talking about uh, relationship, that we, we relate to each other, we care about each other, we go through the ups and downs of life together. Um, we are connected to each other, and sometimes that's a great joy. Sometimes it's more of a hardship, but that's what families do. We, we help each other. We work with each other. It's, it's about um, belonging and uh, being a part of something that's bigger than just us. And uh, it's, this is the place where we, we learn and are discipled and grow in our faith with Christ. And it's one of the great responsibilities of the church. And, and it's here that we, out of this, out of membership, that we bear witness to the grace of God in our lives and, and in, the, in the larger world. And it's here that we, we have a lot of opportunities for ministry. And I have found through the years that it's in ministry that we tend to grow the most as we are serving other people, as, as we are caring for other people and giving of ourselves. Something about that so sacrificial uh, 
expressions of ourselves that God uses as much for us as he does for the people we are ministering to. So a lot of things that, that go on in, in uh, membership. And um, this morning we have the privilege of uh, receiving into the church 17 new members, which is exciting. And uh, eight of them joined in the 830 service earlier this morning. There are nine that are coming to join today. And uh, I'm going to ask them to, to come and to stand here in the front with me. I want to uh, let you know that each of the people who are standing before you here have uh, gone through membership class. They they know everything there is to know about the Wesleyan Church. Uh, if you want, if you have a question, they're the people to talk to. Uh, they they know it. Uh, they they have wholeheartedly been approved by the elders as supporting them and and rejoicing in their membership. And they have come today. As, as a part of their journey with Christ, they all have declared their faith in Christ, their desire to grow and, and learn of Christ and to become more and more like Christ. And, and uh, membership is one of the ways in which that happens. I want to take a moment to introduce you to them. And there's actually a couple of people who are unable to be here today. And um, I want to, so I want to uh, introduce you to the ones who are here this morning. Here we have Dave and Beth Stevick and uh, their daughters, Catherine and Allie, and uh, they are uh, joining here uh, after having um, attended here for a number of years. They, uh, Dave is the Director of Library and Information Resources at Houghton College. Beth is a stay-at-home mom who also homeschools her children. And uh, Beth works with children's ministries, and particularly she'll be working with Children's Church a lot this summer. And, and Dave and, and I are in conversations about uh, his ministries in the church and, and uh, the variety of things that he is interested in doing. As I mentioned, uh, these are their oldest daughters, uh, Catherine and Allie, our oldest children, and they have uh, two boys, Wesley and Bren. Catherine and Allie are joining today as student members. They have both completed our catechism class uh, that we uh, offer in sixth grade, and uh, out of that are now coming to join as student members today. They also have been involved with Children's Church and uh, as part of their ministry. And uh, they are uh, transferring from the Mancos United Methodist Church in Mancos, Colorado. Next we have Jerry and Jackie Turk. Uh, they live in Nunday. And uh, Jackie is just retiring from the history department at SUNY Geneseo. She is now the Livingston County Health Department Bereavement, Bereavement Services Coordinator. Jerry is a nurse practitioner in psychiatry. Uh, he has a private practice. He also works in a number of clinics, including Catholic Charities in Buffalo and also some here at the college. Uh, they attended here in the past, but most recently in the past six months or so uh, have made this their church home again. They have a diverse uh, history of church connections in their journey with Christ, and they are joining by profession of faith. Jackie is interested in working with some uh, of, a, of groups in the church, particularly related to bereavement and counseling, and uh, both of them are interested in working with college students. 
Next we have uh, Graham and Sarah Badger. They live here in Houghton. Sarah is the owner, operator, primary instructor of the Houghton Movement and Arts Center just across the street here down the road. Uh, Graham's a sophomore at Houghton College, a major in humanities. They have attended since moving here at the end of 2010. Sarah works with Boom Club and in the nursery, and Graham is interested in doing some teaching here at the church, and they are joining by profession of faith. And they will have uh, an addition to their family in about four weeks, I think, uh, or so. And we have Matt Woolsey here. Uh, his wife, Barbara, was uh, unable to attend today. And um, Matt was raised in this church. Uh, they, they lived in Houghton and attended this church from 1987 to 2000, or 1992. They moved back to Houghton in August of 2010. Matt is a dentist, and he works for the Finger Lakes Community Health. Uh, Barbara recently retired from elementary teaching. Both are interested in ministry of help and advocacy to the poor. Uh, they have taught, uh, or they do teach, fourth grade Sunday school. Barbara is also the ministry leader of our Wednesday evening Kids uh, Kings Kids Club uh, girls program, and they also help out with WKFM Weston Kids for Missions. They are transferring from the Edgewood Free Methodist Church in Rochester. Uh, the other person joining today is Jessica Romance, and um, she—I don't think she's here today, is she? No. Okay. Uh, does she have a baby? What's that? She's on the way to the hospital to have a baby. Okay, I guess that's a reason to not come to church. All right. I'm going to have to talk to her about that, but this morning we'll let it slide. Um, we knew it was going to be close. We knew it was, it was going to be tight. Um, Jessica lives in Fillmore with her husband, Peter, and um, she uh, is a teaches and coaches Belfast, Fillmore Central School as well. She's been a ministry leader with King's Kids Club, a girls program Wednesday night, sings on the worship team, helps with Children's Church as part of a sermon focus group. Uh, Jessica's attended here all of her life, and uh, she's joining by profession of faith. So it's exciting to see these people who are joining today, and at the end of the service, I want to give you an opportunity to welcome them, to greet them, and uh, also with, um, with Bob and Graham, who were baptized this morning as well. For those of you who are members, I'd like for you to stand and to affirm uh, your support and care and connection to those who are joining today. I know that uh, we all rejoice in this significant moment in their lives and that we welcome them with open arms and hearts into the fellowship of this uh, group of believers. Do you promise to lovingly support them in their walk with Jesus and ask that uh, they support you? in our walk with Jesus, so that together we may glorify God our King, inspire each other to love and compassion, and to be a unified witness to this world of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so answer, we do. Holy Father, we thank you for this moment and for each one who has come to join today. And we pray that uh, you will help them to continue in their journey with you and all of us together. We pray for your grace to be evidence in our lives as we live out our faith in this place. In the ups and downs of our lives, in the ups and downs of our faith, help us to know your presence and our commitment to each other and our care and compassion as we spur one another on to love and good deeds. May your blessing be upon each one joining and us as a congregation, and we pray this through Christ. Amen.
want to invite you to stand with me as we prepare to receive our tithes and offerings in the singing of the doxology. Father, we praise you for who you are and for everything that you have done. We come today as blessed people. Let our offerings express the gratitude and the joy in our hearts of living in your peace, in your favor, in your grace. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Burn out. 
fingertips And you know you have the chance to change it It's been a practice for a while We would like to use the altar as your place of prayer As we pray together I invite you to join me Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves to find us, who seeks us and searches for us and yearns for us. We thank you that you have helped us to know what it is to be in relationship with you and and to be found by you. We live in a great world that you've created, that you love of people who are lost. We pray that you will help us to be instruments, that they would see you and know you and experience your love. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be catalysts for the lost being found. Father, as we come to this day, we are so grateful for all you've done in our lives. And we pray that you will continue to help us to be sensitive to your spirit and aware of your presence in our lives. We pray that you will heal the sick. We ask, Father, that that you will help people who are struggling with work, financial crises, We pray for everyone who is dealing with a broken relationship and struggling with anger and bitterness. We pray for everyone who feels overwhelmed with disappointment about life's unfulfilled expectations. We pray that you will help us and heal us. Lord, we pray for our our seniors, particularly those who graduated yesterday at the college. We pray that you will give them grace and wisdom and guidance for the future. Help them to see the steps that you want them to take next. And we pray that most of all, their hearts would be turned to you in everything, in the direction of their lives, in their relationships, their employment, where they live, Lord, we pray that your grace would be so evident and that there would be a continual sensitivity to your spirit. Father, we pray that you will help us to be people who acknowledge and embrace the grace of Christ, our resurrected Lord. Help us to be people who live in the power and the presence of of the resurrection. For it is in the name of the risen Christ that we offer our prayers. The one who teaches us the model for prayer, 
which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our New Testament scripture reading for this morning is found in James chapter 2. James 2, 8 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord.
Please pray with me. Dear Lord, may we always be ever only for thee. And I pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. As a teenager, there's so many authority figures in my life. They're my parents and teachers, youth leaders, coaches, and most of all, God. All these different groups of people hold at least some level of power over myself and the other teens they're involved with. Sometimes I can see the benefit of the rules that are set by them, and other times I joyfully obey because I love them. Sometimes it's both of those things together. However, other times I hit that wall of frustration that comes because I can't see the good or I don't want to be controlled by something that I don't understand the point in. It makes me feel bitter and angry inside, and I far too often feel justified in the feelings to disobey. But that isn't what God's saying at all. I believe that teenagers are often thought of with having rebelliousness as an undeniable characteristic, something almost grafted into our DNA by nature and just fades as we get older. However, it cannot be pretended that the reaction is limited to people my age. All humans are stubborn with God and what he wants us to do. History shows us right off the bat what happens because of human disobedience. Adam and Eve were cursed to have to toil and experience pain all because they broke the first and only rule that God had given them. As we read Psalm 19, it talks a lot about God's law. That word can mean a lot of things. It can mean Moses' law or the Old Testament covenant or the counsels of God's word or even the fulfillment of the law, which is Christ. But just to set things straight, there are a few things I'm not talking about. I'm not referring to the Ten Commandments nor any set of laws that could um, redeem our sinful nature. There's nothing except for Christ's blood that can save us. I think even in the Old Testament, the rules didn't save God's people. Hebrews says it was their belief in God that was credited to them as righteousness. At the same time, we can see from the book of James that the law is still important when he talks about looking intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continuing in it. Now, what I am talking about is a way of living with God that includes having to follow his rules. Parents have to set innumerable rules for their children, such as don't run with the scissors or don't talk to strangers or the infamous clean your room. But every parent will admit that while there's been times that they made a decision that was meant to be for the good of their children, it wasn't the right decision to make. Humans just can't have correct judgment every time. But that's what makes God's laws so unique. These rules are the only set in which every single one is completely for our benefit and the benefit of God's kingdom. But haven't you noticed in a lot of media, whether religious or secular, there are stories about this very idea of obedience being right and good? They also support that disobedience yields painful consequences. There are people who try to deny that such a thing exists, but I think C.S. Lewis puts the argument very well in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, these then are the two points that I've wanted to make. First, that human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. Secondly, that they do not, in fact, behave in that way. They know the law of nature, and they break it. These two facts are the foundation of all clear thinking about ourselves and the universe we live in. So consider little Red Riding Hood. Her parents tell her not to talk to any strangers and not to stray from the path. But of course, what does she do? She strays and she talks, and before you know it, her grandmother's been eaten by a wolf, and she's pretty close to being on the menu herself. Next, there's Pandora's box. I mean, that's a perfect example. 
the girl is given all these lovely attributes from the gods, plus a little extra gift, a box that she's not allowed to open. It distracts and tempts her to the point of madness at which she tears open the lid and releases all the evil into the world. A pretty big consequence for opening a box. A pretty big consequence for eating an apple, too. I can mention many others, though. Finding Nemo, The Lion King, Pinocchio. But sometimes we as Christians think that we have it harder than others with so many more rules and regulations than non-Christians. But that is a deception on our part. Those kinds of thoughts plant false self-pity in our hearts. From all these examples, even though they exist in the secular world, the morals are in fact agreed upon, and not one of them is void of God's rules for our own lives. For example, God's command through Paul for children to obey their parents in Colossians 3.20 is a main theme in all of these tales. Even the secular world has admitted that rules are important and help keep us safe, even if they don't fully admit that this concept originates with God. Also notice in Lion King and Pinocchio that the fathers go after their sons at a great cost to themselves. Sound familiar? It's just so many parallels drawn there. So when we feel that this lifestyle is unfair, we need to remind ourselves of something. Every single one of us is being held accountable to the same rules. And for those of us that follow those rules, we get to experience the freedom from God that comes from the very law that we think is restricting us. In reality, Our lives are filled with so much more joy and peace as Christians. I find it a little bit interesting that David, the writer of the psalm, and many others, worships God for his law so completely, even when it is God's law that condemns his son, the son conceived by Bathsheba, to death. Let's look more specifically at what David said about God's law. It is referred to as his law, his statutes, his precepts, his commands, fear of him and his decrees. The descriptions that his law is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, and firm. This kind of poetry is like a crystal, which you turn the sun and from every angle it sparkles. I was thinking about why the first and second halves of Psalm 19 maybe seem so disconnected. And then it struck me that maybe they're both supposed to be in that genre or idea of things, of wonderful things that are created by God. David loved God's law, and he could see its true identity. He could see its beauty and was able to earnestly treasure its guidance. But also, God being the perfect justice that he is also disciplines us. He will not be two-faced or flippant about his own laws. He is the source and center of the absolute right that exists because he exists. In his commentary on this passage, Matthew Henry states, The statutes of the Lord, enacted by his authority and binding on all wherever they come, are right, exactly agreeing with the eternal rules and principles of good and evil, that is, with the right reason of man and the right counsels of God. Now, it's saying that God's laws are completely in line with God and his absolute goodness. In another place, he says, The psalmist gives an account of the excellent properties and uses of the word of God in six sentences, in each of which the name Jehovah is repeated, and no vain repetition. The law has its authority and all of its excellency from the lawmaker. The sentence is saying exactly what I'm talking about. The law has been created as something perfect because of its perfect creator. Because of this, we must be disciplined for our wrongs, because both the law and its creator cannot and will not deviate from complete holiness to let us off the hook. In Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, it says, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? 
It says, My Lord, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the, Lord's, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. The mere fact that he is willing to take the time and show us our wrongs and punish us for them is absolute proof that he loves us as his own, as his children. So we can see why God gives the law and even why he punishes us for disobedience. But still, why do we obey? Well, first of all, because we are his creations. Scripture declares in Isaiah 64, 8, And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Because God created us, he knows every single part, every impulse of our human lives. He made us so that we work in a certain way that requires the right fuel. Have you ever bought something where you think it's going to be so great and you're so ready to open it up and try it out right when you get home? I mean, you drive all the way out to Buffalo and you find this great toy for your kid or honestly even for yourself. And until you discover the tiny little black writing in the corner that says batteries not included. And of course, it needs D batteries and you haven't needed to keep those in the house for like five years. And the old double A's just aren't going to cut it. So... But we're exactly the same way. I had kind of the, quite the experience on 30-hour famine just a few weeks ago. Um, I was only able to run normally without food, you know, for about four or five hours before I started to really feel the effects. Um, as we neared 12 o'clock on the second day, I basically shut down. I was zoning out every five minutes, and I felt like I could barely move. The fatigue was overwhelming, and it came on before I'd even lasted a full 24 hours. It's a really clear picture of how we can't function without the fuel that we are meant to be running on. God also made us with a specific fuel for our spirits in mind, his law. His law is what we run on best, and he knows it because he created us. And thirdly, we obey because we love God. But it goes beyond that. There's something that we have to admit. The fact that we can't even pretend to love him if we aren't even trying to obey his laws. Obedience is hard, and it's only the strong motivation of love that can enable us to be humbled to this point. When with our parents or grandparents or even special mentors, we want to do the best we can to make them proud. We want to show our love through obedience because of the respect we have for them. Every week I go to take violin lessons with my teacher, who recently moved into Fillmore. She is one of the kindest, most considerate, and most committed women I know. And I care for her a lot. And every week I stand there with my violin at the ready, waiting for her to correct the next thing, because I know that she's only doing it for the good of my future as a violin player. But how much more is it this way with God? His correction in us through his law is only going to help us. Psalm 19 describes the benefits of God's law in us, and that there his law refreshes the soul, makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, gives light to the eyes, endures forever, and all of them are righteous. They're also described to be sweeter than honey. Imagine that the thing we once thought was so bitter is now revealed as one of the epitaphs of sweetness. Another way to look at it is to see the rules as a favor. If we had no idea what we were doing wrong, how could we ever even want to take hold of the grace that God has extended to us through his son? What a merciful God that we serve that he provides both the knowledge and the means to be saved. But to be honest, we still manage to fall short. And sometimes it feels good to break the rules, to be rebellious or to have fun. 
Even scripture says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but it's not really what we think it is. Too many times I've gone for that and come up just completely dry. It's like I build up the adrenaline, I get going, I'm ready to feel so filled and nothing. I usually just feel worse than when I started and far more empty than I had before. There's a quote by Matthew Henry that says, pleasures of sense are deceitful, will soon surfeit and yet never satisfy. But those of religion are substantial and satisfying and there's no danger in exceeding in them. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, God wants to offer us joy that we aren't even able to overdose on. Pleasure that we'll never ever have to feel guilty about indulging in. And he is offering this through his law. It just becomes clear how much the rules are actually for our own benefit. So, as we grow, we can get better at obedience as well. Something in our home the other day gave me a little picture of how things are with God. My mom, brother, and I were getting ready to take a walk. And I checked outside to see what the weather was like. And it seemed sunny and sort of warm. So, I was absolutely sure I did not need my coat. <laughs> but, of course, my mom had a different idea. So, we, I start. You know, she starts telling me how it's cold and I'm going to regret it and I'm going to start arguing. And then I stop and I trail off and think about what I'm about to say and kind of realize that I shouldn't argue. And so a few seconds later, having realized what I just accomplished and now with my coat, I walk back into the kitchen where my mom is and say with a sly smile, see how much more mature I've gotten? I didn't even argue that time. So, as we take steps to becoming more mature in our spiritual lives, we come to realize that God is going to be right, so we obey his directions without the resistance. It saves a lot of time and comes to the right result with far less tears and complications. However, there is one last oh-so-important fact about obeying God's laws, something that opens up a whole new level of intimacy with the Lord. Oftentimes, we as Christians call our life with God a walk, or you've heard the term, you know, walking with God, journeying with God, something along those lines. But did you consider how obedience fits into that? Our Holy Father in Heaven is walking a very specific path, and only when we follow God's laws are we enabled to walk on that path with Him. So you see, we literally have to be walking on the same path to be walking together or walking with God. As for the depth of the intimacy between ourselves and God, I found it helpful to think of it this way. Um, imagine two pairs of friends. In the first pair, one friend is always helping the other out of the ditch he just keeps falling into. In the other pair, the two friends take long walks together, not because the one needs saving from dire situations very often, but because they enjoy each other's company and they're able to communicate with each other and deepen their friendship. Far too often, we and God are the first pair. God readily wants to help us out of the ditch, and he will, but the relationship is still built only on a need to be saved from the consequences of our disobedience. We just won't follow his laws and it gets us into trouble. We aren't walking the same path. We aren't near him often enough to even carry small talk with the Lord. We linger on thankfulness rather than being driven by love, so we never get past the first layer of the relationship. However, on the other hand, there is the relationship built on our submission to the law and the wonderful fruits that are produced. Since we are living in a way that is in accordance with the Lord, we can walk alongside him. We are opening for listening to what God has to say to us, for us to open up our hearts in any way to him. We actually have the time to weep and to laugh and to confide and eventually get all the way down to the core. 
So now, what do you choose? Do you want the guilt and the negative consequences of a life that is void of God's beautiful law? Or do you want to experience the joy and the peace and the intimacy with God that comes from obeying? To taste and see the laws that are sweeter than honey and that bring light to the eyes. If there's one thing to be said, it's that binding oneself to God's law will actually be the most freeing thing that we can ever, ever experience. Please stand and worship with us.
One of the uh, parts of baptism is the, is the witness. That's why we practice baptism in public settings, as we bear witness to Christ in our lives. And throughout the, the centuries, God has, has been identified, symbolized by light. And so I'm going to ask the, the guys who are baptized this morning to come here. We've given them a candle, and we're going to light that for them. And um, just as a sign of God's presence in their lives and of their witness of that. I've encouraged them each year uh, on this day to get out the candle, remember the the day of their baptism, recommit their their vows uh, that they're making today. And to ask God to give them more and more grace as they walk with him each day. As they, we know that uh, Jesus says he is the light of the world. And then he turns to his disciples and that includes us and says you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And I know that's what their, it's their desire and I pray that it's ours. That as we walk with Christ, as we embrace his law. And his love to us through his law that our light will shine. Before we close, I'm going to ask all the people who uh, become members this morning to come and stand here in the front as well. And then I want to invite you after the benediction to come up to uh, share a word of greeting with them. If you don't know them, introduce yourself and uh, just congratulate them on this wonderful day in their lives. So those of you who joined, come on up. you receive the benediction this week as you go may you remember and not only remember but experience that God's law is good may you walk in that freedom amen Amen.